this is Ronnie Sage, and you are listening to the Impact Exchange, a podcast where we discuss the intersection of corporate social responsibility and retail. In this episode, we will discuss how consumption will never come to a halt, but that there has been a massive shift in recent years towards conscious consumerism. Consumers not only care more about the impact that corporate companies are creating, but how those companies are engaging in this process of product. Not only do brands have to be mindful of who are they giving to and how are they engaging with their community, but it plays all the way back into the products that they're creating, how they're creating them, where they're creating them. Some companies consider their corporate social responsibility to be an add-on to their business, almost as a separate initiative that lives and breathes as part of what they are selling. And most progressive companies are considering their impact while building their products and evolving their products from inception. To discuss this topic, today's guest is CEO of Moroccan Oil, Jui Wong. Jui, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. It is a pleasure, and I'm very excited for this. We initially tried connecting at Shop Talk. We had a, a little technology issues, but we made this happen. Absolutely. Better late than never, right? Absolutely. And you are calling, and we are talking out of, I'm in Chicago, and you're out of New York City. Yep, that's right. Where in the world is Jui today? Wonderful. So I'd love to start. How is Moroccan oil? Is, uh, you know, how are you integrating corporate social responsibility? You know, we, we had a lot of conversation. Or let's, let's back this up and say we had a lot of conversation about you as a brand and that there's a ton of work happening on your CSR strategy in the background. And that when we started having this conversation, it, it really dovetailed into there's so much happening around your product and the way you develop product that so many consumers don't even know about. Talk to me about how you integrate that product and, and where this started with, with Moroccan oil. Yes. I mean, it's a really great question because the way Moroccan oil started as a brand, when they started with their production uh, in Israel, it was really something that was very matter of fact to them. Um, in Israel, our production, 100% of our production there is solar powered. So therefore, we actually reduce our greenhouse emission you know, by as much as saving up to 890 some acres of forest land from being having to absorb carbon dioxide. If you think of that kind of um, support that we have done in terms of what we, in our CSR, it really shows that it is in the DNA of Moroccan oil. So when I joined as CEO, you know, almost two years ago, it really was very compelling for me to look at a brand's DNA what they do so naturally that it is not an effort, but part of who they are, it became very clear to me that being able to talk through and share what Moroccan oil does, you know, in terms of its production, in terms of its responsibility to the community and why they do it was a story that had to be told. Interesting. So I would love to talk about how you're telling that story in just a minute. But talk to me about, you know, let's start with where did this get started? So how long has been Rock and Oil been, been, a, been a brand? This is our 11th year uh, as a company. So really, we started this process in 2008, right at the time where the company uh, was first started with one product, which was our Moroccan oil treatment. Wow. And then from that inception of that product, was it always part a sustainable process from the very beginning? Yes, I mean, that was where it was made in Israel, solar powered, um, making sure that, you know, wherever possible, when we started 
after the Moroccan oil treatment and introducing other products to the professional distribution space, wherever possible, we did not have what we call a secondary packaging. And secondary mm-hmm. packaging is a trade term to mean, you know, the cardboard boxes that you see, um, you know, displayed in retail. And when we don't do that, even when you do re- recycled paper, you are still using a resource. When we don't do that, we are able to document with the International Paper Board that we save up to about 4,000 trees from being cut wow. down every year. So that's amazing. So you're measuring actually the amount of impact you're creating by lack of packaging. And that's, is that, a, that sounds like a KPI for you. Yes. And, and we do that not because we are using it to brag about what we have done, because you never see that data you know, anywhere on our literature, but it is something that we want to be mindful uh, with the team and let them know the impact that, you know, they are making so that together, you know, we are committed to making sure that this continues as part of our history, as part of our legacy. That's so interesting. So from a brand perspective, you really don't talk about all this impact that you're creating. And when you Think about, you know, I have a data point here that 61% of consumers take green packaging into account when deciding where to shop. And that's a staggering stat, right? Absolutely. And I think consumers are voting with their pocketbook, uh, so to speak. And therefore, we are going to start telling that story. But what we want to be mindful of is that it's genuine, it's authentic, and that we provide, you know, the backstory to why we are telling this story now because we don't want to be seen as somebody just jumping on the bandwagon, especially mm-hmm. when we've been doing this for you know a good ten plus years. Yeah, I mean, it would, I would love to see those stats. I mean, over the last ten plus years, how many trees you've saved and what that lifetime. I mean, imagine that infographic of Moroccan oil's impact on this on this world and the environment in your communities through the sustainable you know mindset that you you've created. Yes, it is very gratifying. I mean, it's not really me. You know, the company has already been on this path, but what I am trying to do is to kind of give it more visibility and raise the profile, you know, of what the company has been doing and has done. That's, that's, that's incredible. And so when you're talking about selling this into, because a lot of your distribution actually happens through whether it be marketplaces or um, wholesale or distribution to, to retail, um, how does that conversation look? Is that part of your messaging when selling? Absolutely. I mean, we present to the retailers, to our distributors, you know, the kind of impact that we plan to make and we have made. And that generally gets them really excited because to your point, what is happening is that consumers want that and consumers want it. Salon owners are beginning to get, you know, into that space, especially with companies like Green Circle approaching us to help them communicate that same message. And while Green Circle is not a, uh, it's a for-profit, it's not a charity group, but the fact that they are able to help with expanding and making sure that the salon owners have a way to dispose of um, their waste and still make that waste useful, you know, for the community and for the environment, that itself, you know, is a step in the right direction. Yeah, I mean, on that topic of of recycling and re- getting the return of those bottles, chemical um, in, in the waste is a huge issue. 
Do you have any initiatives around that currently? Well, one of the things that we are beginning to see a lot of is even supply, you know, raw material suppliers are becoming very uh, focused on what kind of raw materials that they are providing and that they are advocating to vendors like ourselves. So they are also trying to make clean ingredients and clean raw materials that we can actually use with no uh, sort of conflict with the performance of the product. And when we have a choice, all things being equal, that is what we are going to do. And imagine if every one of us do the same thing, you know, we cannot help but, you know, raise the boat, you know, for everyone. Absolutely. And that alludes back to, you know, that's something that we consistently say here is, you know, one in two consumers believe that actually brands have more power than government at this point. Absolutely. And consumers have more power too, because they can choose who they buy from. Exactly. It becomes such that all of us are responsible. You know, it's it's a trifecta or triangle, you know, of of, uh, consumption. You have the supplier, you have the brand, and then you have the end consumer. So if we all do this, we all win. And in this day and age, like that, that concept of, you know, consumers, consumption, consume, yeah. it almost feels like a dirty word in this day and age where you feel like, you know, you would almost rather save, save the planet, save the future. It's all about how does each party play a role in this? And when you look at this and it's 89% of consumers would rather buy a company who supports a social issue and yeah. the environment over one, two, three. Absolutely. And I think, you know, I applaud the consumers because this, I, I think like a lot of things, the consumers really push the bigger companies and even, you know, anyone in the space to be more responsible. And I think, you know, gone are the days where the brands are telling the consumers what they want. Today, the consumers are letting the brands know mm-hmm. what they want. So on that note, how, how do you survey your consumers? How are you engaging with your consumers to get feedback on your product and, and, and on your process of, of what you're developing? I think in this day and age of social media and, you know, communication, which is a dual flow, you know, it's not a one way. There are lots of avenues for consumers to get in touch with the brand. There's also a lot of ways for brands to reach out to our end consumers as, as well as to our accounts. And, you know, just less than a couple of weeks ago, I had somebody direct message me, DM me on Instagram to ask about, you know, one of our products. And if you think about it in the past, it would be next to impossible to find, you know, anyone, you know, uh, on an email system in their company if you do not know how this email is set up. You can try a couple of ways or you may be blocked as spam. But on Instagram, you know, you can actually reach out, obviously, it all depends on whether the person responds, but the fact that you can be found so quickly, you know, by someone else, it makes a very big difference in how communication flows and how, you know, you need to be, be responding in a responsible way. Brands are humans, right? There's behind every brand, behind every retailer, there's a human. Correct. And putting the human first, it, it literally is is so important, and and I mean that that just dovetails into um, that feedback mechanism, what you look at all these brands, I mean, there's so many brands popping up overnight. You look at these digitally native brands, I call them, you know, Instagram brands is what we call them. Yes. They're, they're very easy to go to market today. And a lot of these brands 
are taking a stance that is sustainable first or that is impact first, but their process might not be impact. So whether that be a, um, you know, I, when I say process, I'm, I'm referring to their production, right? That their, their marketing might be an impact focus and they might be donating on purchase or they might be aligning to you buy this and, and we donate to this, but their, their, their process of production of product might not be sustainable. What would be something that you would recommend that could be intentional for one of these brands coming into the space and starting to develop product? What could they do tomorrow to, to be more mindful? No, that's a, such a great question. And I actually spent a lot of time uh, as I'm a board member on the, on the Cosmetic Executive Women, which is CEW. And I, I mentor uh, some of the startups that reach out to me. And the number of startups that ask, you know, what can I do, you know, to differentiate myself? And generally speaking, I will ask, you know, where are they formulating? Who are they manufacturing with? And, you know, what is their stance, you know, on being more responsible? Not necessarily just donating money, as you have just talked about, because they are a startup, you know, it's tough for them. And generally speaking, if you think about it, you, if you are starting a brand, you need to go to a formulation house. You need to work with a contract manufacturer. Very rare do you have all of this you know, in source. It's not likely. So with that said, you have a choice. Pick a formulator that really stand by that their formulation as clean and well. And it doesn't have to be you know, 100% clean and well. It's the attitude, it's that mentality that that is what they are going to choose first over everything else. Same thing with your contract manufacturer. There are contract manufacturers out there who, who is very clear, you know, what they want to do and how they clean, you know, make sure that their processing and the manufacturing process is also very responsible and uses, you know, sustainable materials and ingredients. All of this makes a difference. And that is also very compelling because you may end up having to pay a little bit more in terms of production and formulation and packaging. But what ends up happening is you are able to communicate the same to your consumer. And I give you a very, very clear example. Not too long ago, and, and without mentioning name, a, one of a medium-sized brand went to the social media and told their customers, look, I have to increase my price by 7%. And the reason why I'm doing that is because of packaging, because they want to be responsible to the environment and that they ask their customers to rally behind them. And the customers had no problem paying 7% more. They all sort of say, great job, please go ahead and do it and we are behind you. So I want people to be you know, very considerate that they want to get the best product at the best price, but not at a cost, you know, to mm. the environment if they can make a difference. That's really interesting. So you're not putting that cost or burden on the consumer and you believe that on the back end, your brand will be stronger and you'll maintain more loyal customers and you'll sell more essentially by being mindful in the creation process. Absolutely. It's, it's every step of the way, right? It's even down to even on direct to consumer on e-commerce. We need to also understand that while everybody wants something shipped faster and more packaging protection, that just means we are using more resources and increasing our carbon footprint while we are talking about CSR and sustainability. So we really need to look at our entire ecosystem and really push ourselves 
to think bigger than just what we think is sustainability. So I'll give you again a very specific example. There are brands out there who will actually tell their customer, if I were to ship you instead of a two-day, I would do it in four days. I will be able to also reduce the protection packaging if you choose to, because I'll give you a dollar back you know, in your purchase. Will you accept that? Because you will then be able to reduce your carbon footprint by X percentage. Generally speaking, consumers will say yes. They may want it done, they may want something delivered right away, but if you give them the compelling reason why it could make a difference, they generally will not complain. Obviously, some other people will say, no, I still want it faster, and that's fine. But at least you make an effort to give them a choice, and you as a brand stand behind that choice. Um, and and I have done that, you know, with a smaller brand that we are that uh, I'm overseeing, which is Verb Verb Products, and we are able to make that kind of a difference because the consumers for Verb are the millennial consumers, and they think beyond their own convenience. You know, we we criticize the millennials as a me, you know, it's a me 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 generation, but they are the ones that are making a difference in how we think and how we respond to challenges. Absolutely. And, you know, you are really encouraging transparency, which is incredible. So how do you make the decision to tell the world about the things that you're doing since day one? You know, what is that process going to look like? What is the plan for that? I, I think it's the little things, right? It's not about coming out with a press release and having an event to kind of launch, you know, what we are thinking of. Sure. I think it's featuring everything that we do that when people research us, it's much better for people to discover on some level what we are doing rather than just us telling them what we are doing. Because people do get a little bit wary when a company tries to come across that they, they, they've got everything right. I mean, we, don't, we won't get everything right. You know, there are times where we will fall. But the whole idea is, is our attitude, is our, responsibility, our, our response rather to things and how we start a program, you know, and, and one of the things that we love doing is making sure that we not only talk to our end consumer, but our, our own team, our own employees, because yeah. they are the ones who are the closest to everything. You know, it's kind of easy for leadership teams and senior executives to come up with all these lofty plans, but the execution of it is always the team members. And if the team is behind this and they know what, why you are doing it, they will give it their all. So to me, you know, it needs to start from ground zero, which is from the ideation all the way to the execution. A- absolutely. So on that note of employee, how do you garner support internally around this and, and remain sustainable, you know, have a sustainable conversation and impact conversation with your team? Where does that start? Where does that live within your company? How does that, how does that communicate it? I think at Moroccan Oil, what we are fortunate is that we have a lot of um, team members who are relatively young and who are also relatively engaged with um, volunteer work. And we've seen that, you know, I have worked for several different brands. And what I've seen is that the, the nature and the makeup of teams today, people are hiring a lot more people who are very vocal. I mean, you know, 10 years ago, when you hire someone, every time you ask them, do you have any more questions? Their Mm -hmm. questions generally will revolve around, 
compensation, holiday pay, you know, whether I'm going to get more um, calm days. Today, the younger uh, audience is actually asking questions like, what's the company's stance on animal testing? Where are you, you know, on your environmental responsibility? What is like your carbon footprint? Where do you manufacture? And these are very eye-opening questions. These are questions that are almost on some level challenging an organization. And I like that. I like the fact that they are bold enough to kind of see, do I want to work for a company that don't share my value? It's not just a consumer buying your products. It's also people working with and for you. So I think, you know, with that kind of a benchmark and with that kind of uh, focus on hiring, it gives us a lot of bandwidth to really drive, you know, what we want to do on the environmental side and with our CSR program. So, Julie, we've heard a ton about uh, Moroccan oil and all that you're doing from a sustainability aspect and how you're engaging your company and how you're engaging your employees and that it starts with you as an organization. Talk to me about what the future holds for Moroccan oil. You're 11 years old. What's next? Yes. I mean, we are one of the more sort of brands that have really been in the marketplace for long enough to really have some foothold in influence, but short enough to still be very mindful of, the, of what is relevant for us as a company. So we are still nimble. Let's, let's put it this way. We are not so big that we are so bureaucratic. We are not so small that we don't have resources. Sure. So I think the future for Moroccan oil really is continuing what we have been doing since day one in 2008, be responsible in how we look at everything that we do. If, if and whenever possible, partner with vendors that truly you know, brings a difference and have conversations and not be afraid to collaborate with like-minded brands. So I think that is the pathway that we would like to start chartering for ourselves. But on some level, it is nothing new for us. We've been on this path. All we want to do is to continue and not get ourselves into a situation where we are trying to do too much too quickly and don't do anything well. Bite-sized sustainability. Yes. I love it. Well um, <laughs> at the end of every conversation, we always ask that there's three actions that our community could take that are, you know, again, palatable, bite-sized that could make an impact tomorrow, what would your feedback be on three things that whether they're a legacy brand or a brand just getting started could do tomorrow to increase their sustainable um, footprint and, and, and be more mindful in, in their actions? Well, I think the first thing is all of us have an e-commerce platform. And the e-commerce platform is generally our you know, number one revenue generator. It's also the most profitable. Start with that e-commerce platform and ask yourself whether your consumer is willing to have a longer lead time for delivery and have used less packaging in delivery. If you can make that happen, that can be very material. The second thing is ask your employees, even at home, what they do with being responsible. Turn off your light switches. Use you know, glasswares. Use flatware. Don't use disposable products. Just by doing that, even in your own kitchen, as well as in the company's kitchen, you can make a difference. And finally, all brands have the power to really work with vendors, suppliers, packaging companies, agencies that are responsible. Wherever possible, choose to partner with such companies. And if we all did that, 
then it becomes table stakes that all companies that interact with brands have to have those qualities. And then it becomes, you know, just part of how we are, we are in, in, in doing our work. And that makes life so much easier. That's wonderful. Do you have any resources around the questions you ask your suppliers or agencies that you'd be willing to share that we could post um, with this content? Yes, I think uh, what we can do is I can have our operating team to give you sort of some of the uh, suppliers that we work with. Is that would that be helpful? Yes, and I mean any um, procurement questions that you have, like if there's a checklist of things that you ask, things that keep your team mindful when they're sourcing, what type of questions that you're asking, or a list of things that you're looking for within companies that you're sourcing from. I'm sure there's different resources out there that we could pull. I'm not sure if you have any specifically that you use, but I would love to share any resources you have that could potentially help companies um, prospect for better partners. Okay. Yeah, we, we, we basically, anytime we start a project, we obviously will do uh, an RFP and we ask for three companies to really um, provide their pitch deck to us. So even if it's companies that we have worked with and, now that we are going into this space a little bit more uh, in, in terms of being, you know, CSR and sustainability, the questions we ask them is how, number one is what are the ingredients? Are they sustainable ingredients that they're using, the raw materials? And they, and because we have our formulation that we want to work with, they will tell us what they, what are sustainable and what are green ingredients as they call them. And that's the first question. The second question is their operation, their manufacturing process. How is the manufacturing process, you know, being installed? You know, are they using recycled water? Uh, uh, how do they dispose of their waste? All this will give us indication how green they are. And then the final thing is that if there's secondary, obviously we have secondary packaging, primary packaging, but given that we don't use a lot of secondary packaging, there's less of a question. The first question is on the primary packaging. Are they using PPDR? You know, or instead of you know just PPT bottles, those are the kind of questions we ask. And if they are using recycled plastic, that would be our preference to partner with that manufacturer. That's great. And where can our listeners go to to hear uh, or to learn more about Moroccan oil? Um, what's a, what's the next call to action for our listeners? I think you know go to our website, look at you know our uh, what we do, what our products, and ask the questions. If you feel like you're not getting the answers. On, on our website, type in your question and it will be followed up by the right people. Well, Julie, thank you so much for joining us today on the Impact Exchange. It's been fantastic having this conversation with, about your social, corporate social responsibility and the sustainability that you guys are, are really focused on over at Moroccan Oil. Um, it, it's, there's a ton more that you do that I'm really excited for you to share that we're not gonna divulge today, but everything from the employees that work at your facilities, and the way your facilities are set up, there, I know there's a lot more that people could learn. And as you talk, start talking about this and making it front and center of your brand, I'm excited to have a follow-up piece and share about this uh, with our community. So uh, thank you so much for joining us and chat soon. Yes, thank you for having me. It's been you know, very good to kind of talk to somebody who's spoken to many different brands on the impact of what can be done. And so it's, it's good to see some of the data points that you were able to share with us as well. So thank you again. Of course. Thanks for all the listeners. Tune in soon. This has been the Impact Exchange. My name is Ronnie Sage. Have a great day.